Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. <laughs> That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. So I think that first and foremost, the home that we create for ourselves is so important. You know, always ask yourself, am I being kind to myself? Is it kind? Is it true? Is it useful? And if not, create a different environment in that home. Welcome to Being Home with Hunker, a podcast where we explore the idea of home, not just as a place where you live, but as an expression of your identity. I'm your host, Lori Gunning Grossman, Editorial Director at Hunker. Today on the show, we have Lori Gottlieb, a psychotherapist, speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. Lori is also the co-host of the Dear Therapist podcast and writes the Atlantic's weekly advice column, Dear Therapist. So suffice to say, Lori knows about human nature. In this conversation, Lori talks about the difference between satisficers and maximizers and how we make choices about what to put in our homes based on what we value. She also shares about how, due to the pandemic, she's been able to see inside people's homes in a way she never would have in the past since many of her therapy sessions moved to Zoom and how she could see new aspects of people's personalities and what's important to them based on their aesthetic choices. We do spend a little bit of time at the top of this conversation talking about our sons, and you'll see why in a few minutes. So let's welcome our guest, Lori Gottlieb. Lori, we have known each other for a long time, meeting in the baby group way back when our sons were born. Now, I have to say, when I think about that time, it's such a blur to me. Yeah, the whole thing is a blur, but I remember random things from that time. I remember your son really well, really well. And it's interesting seeing him now, since our, our boys are, are working on something together. He's exactly the older version of how I remember him. Oh, really? Yeah, he was always, he had this lovely disposition. He was extremely social in the group with the babies. Yes, that's true. And... He was fearless. 
he was, I remember he was one of the, the first ones who was walking in the group and he was walking everywhere. He was just really curious, wanted to explore everything. And he just seems like he grew into that kid. Oh, you're so sweet to say that. You know, I find it to be so wonderful that our sons are connected now. They're both 16. And your son, Zach, is taken after his mama, starting his own platform focused on mental health for teens. So it's his, it's his own thing. I'm so impressed with him, Lori, and what he's doing Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he gets all the credit for that. It's he created this platform called Talk With Zach for Gen Z to sort of talk about the things that teens want to be talking about, but are maybe hesitant to talk about. And it, it really gives me hope that their generation will feel more open than our generation has when it comes to really prioritizing our emotional health. Yes. And such an important conversation to have, and especially on the heels of the pandemic. And not just the heels. I mean, we're still in it. And having someone of his age being visible and being vulnerable and a young man helping people is really incredible. And I tip my hat to you also as his parent, I'm sure, in encouraging that. And I think that I heard you say that in your family, you guys talk a lot about feelings at home. Is that right? (laughs) More than he would like. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I think that that's sort of the soil in which he grew Mm. was, you know, it was very important to me that, and I don't mean over talking about feelings. I just mean that there's a space for them as they come up. So it's not me sitting there going, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? How do you feel about this? That would be annoying. It's more about that we know in our household that whatever you're feeling is okay. And that, you know, there's a space to talk about it. And there's a a space that's safe. It's not going to be um, judgmental. It's not going to be reactionary. It's not going to be any of that. And I think not just kids, but I think Adults, too, we need to know that we have that space, wherever that is. Yes, I fully agree. And so thinking about creating these spaces for ourselves and how that relates to our homes, especially in these past couple of years when so many more people are spending much more time at home. Our kids were schooling at home for a long time, working from home. What have you seen with anybody that you've talked to about how that's changed for people in their home spaces, about isolation or about even more connection? What's like the overarching thing that you've been hearing from people as we've gone inward into our homes? I think that people have realized how important the space is of their homes because they were spending so much time in them. But I think what they also realized was they rediscovered the joy of being home. So a lot of people we heard during the pandemic, of course, we were going crazy because we need to get out and we need social connection and we need all of those things that make us human. But at the same time, people were saying, you know what, I actually like being able to work from home sometimes Um, Or I like to have a space here where I have the flexibility of kind of going back and forth between things. Or even if I would rather work outside of the home, I really like coming into a space that makes me happy. 
that it matters the environment in which I am spending my time with my family or with whomever, roommates, by yourself, whatever it is. And so a lot of people, you'll notice, either were trying to buy new homes because they realized, wait, I I want something else. Um, I really like the time that I spend here and I want to make sure that I'm spending it in a place that brings me joy. Or they were just saying, I have, I really neglected the space that I'm in. So people started, you know, redecorating and doing lots of things to their homes that made them feel more comfortable. Mm. Did you change up your home space at all? Or did you do anything differently because of the pandemic? Um, I've always valued <laughs> my living space. So, um, you know, I've done little things like um, like I have an olive tree on the way right now, in fact, that I ordered yesterday. Um, you know, little things like that that just, you know, where I'm like, oh, I need green in that corner or whatever it is. I have been looking for a house like many people where they're, we're in Los Angeles, where inventory is very low. So that's been a challenge. Mm. So I've been trying to make the space that I'm in you know, as comfortable as possible. Yeah. I think one other thing I should say about during the pandemic is, so I'm a therapist and I was doing therapy with people on Zoom instead of in my office. So I got to see inside so many people's homes in a way that I never would have. And I thought that was really interesting because you could see a lot about people's personalities based on their aesthetic choices that maybe you wouldn't normally see when they come into my office, which reflects my personality. Mm, Yes. Oh, that's so fascinating. It's such an interesting opportunity, I would imagine, as a therapist to see into people's homes and therefore see something new about the person. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you can see what's important to them, too. Like an example is there's a woman that I had been seeing for a while. And at one point I noticed every session there was sort of a lot of musical instruments in the room and there was this cello that was very prominent. And I said, whose cello is that? And she said, it's mine. And it turns out that she played it every day, that it was this important part of of her life that had never come up in therapy. And she had like this room that was her room where she played the cello that nobody else really came into. That was her music room. And it was a small little space, but it was hers. And I don't know if that would have come up or how long it would have taken to come up. And I thought that I knew so much about this person, but it related to so much about her early family relationships and then what's going on in her current family. You know, little details like that of like where people spend their time and what they do in those spaces. Mm, Yeah. The artwork that people choose. You know, that says a lot about, well, that's really interesting that, oh, I didn't realize or I would not have expected that for that person. And people have, you know, wildly different decor in their homes. And to really see that and then to learn more and gain more insight into who that person is and what's important to them. Because I think that we make choices about what we put in our homes based on what we value. Yes, 100% agree. And then do you also believe that in addition to bringing things into our homes that we value, do you believe in the energy of the things that we bring in and how that affects us, that helps us in our lives? I think that the way that we come about finding those things that resonate with us do affect how we feel about them. So an example is somebody who really has a hard time making decisions. And so they're looking at like, should I get this chair or this chair, right? And then they spend like weeks which one should I get? And I don't know. And going back and forth and then researching more. And then they finally choose one and then it arrives, but they don't feel as happy with it as 
they feel like they should have, right? Given how much research they did, and there's actually science behind this, which is the difference between maximizers and satisficers. So, so and this is Barry Schwartz. He talks about this in the paradox of choice. That you know, if you are a satisficer. You know what you want, like basically like, you know, I want a chair for this room and I want it to be about this size and I want it to be comfortable or I want it to look this way or whatever. And you do a little bit of research, you pick one, you get it, you're happy with it, right? Right. What happens is if you're a maximizer is you say, oh, this one will work really well. But then you're like, maybe there's a better one. So then you spend all these hours researching and then there's another one and then you can't decide. And by the time the thing comes, you've ruined the experience for yourself. Mm, Yes. Right? And so maximizers tend to be unsatisfied with whatever it is that they decide on because of this always needing to have the best in their mind and always wondering if there's something better out there. Satisficers are people who say, I have really high standards, but once I find the thing that I want, I'm not sitting there looking over my shoulder wondering if there's something else that I should have gotten. So how to become more of a satisficer? Yeah, yeah. How do we do that? (laughs) Well, I think that, you know, this is a pervasive personality trait. It's something that they do in all areas of their lives. They probably did it in choosing their partner. Um, you know, just making, choosing their job, making any kind of decision, that it's a pattern that they have. And so I think when we think about, you know, people have very different ways of going about moving into the space that's going to be their home. And, you know, some people, you can tell like what's related to their personality. There are people who really deny themselves joy and you can see there's like nothing on the walls or it's very kind of... Mm sparse and not in in an intentional way. You know, they just, they never really like gave themselves the pleasure of creating that space for themselves. And you can see that in their homes when I'm in their homes on Zoom. Yes. Oh my gosh. What an insight you have. Yeah. You can see procrastinators, right? Where like, there's just like clutter everywhere. And it's because they just cannot get themselves to motivate to do the things they need to do. Yeah. How do you identify? Are you like in the Marie Kondo camp where everything is clutter free? And (laughs) (laughs) what was your home like when you were growing up? Like, have you taken anything from the way your home looked or felt and you've brought it into your space now for yourself and for Zach? Oh, absolutely the opposite. So like in in, like in the room that we were just in, we were trying to get the mics going. So there's like a Saarinen table, there's a, a Noguchi coffee table, there are these like modern sort of article sofas. You know, it's it's very different. I grew up in like a country Tudor house, right? Okay. Very much not my aesthetic, but it felt like we were living in sort of, you know, it felt very formal. Yeah. My house feels very kind of casual and comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got these sort of modern elements and then like I play with different textures. Yeah. So I wonder sometimes how you have the time to do everything that you are producing, making, creating, and raising a son. What's going on over there? Well, you know, I have this hybrid career that was very intentional. So it sounds like I'm doing a lot, and I am doing a lot, but I'm doing different pieces on different days. So I have a clinical practice. Uh, I, you know, my recent book was Maybe You Should Talk to Someone that is now being made into a TV series. It's um, There's been a lot of um, events and conversations associated with the book. And then um, I just put out a, 
a workbook, a companion workbook, which as we were talking about stories, it's a, it's a step-by-step guide to rewriting your story because my idea in the book is, is, and I talk a lot about this idea that we're all unreliable narrators and that we carry around these stories that hold us back and that we need to rewrite our stories. And because I was a, a writer before I was a therapist, I feel like a lot of the work that I do as a therapist is I help people to edit their stories. And I did a TED talk that was, you know, went viral, um, that was about this idea of how changing our stories can change our lives. And so I made a workbook as a companion to basically the TED talk and maybe you should talk to someone. And then I have this podcast called the Dear Therapist Podcast, where somebody writes in a letter and then I have a co-therapist and we do a session with someone so people can hear how you can make a significant change or shift from just one conversation. And we give people homework after they have a week to complete it so people can see what actually was accomplished in that session and what change looks like. Mm. And so, you know, and I have a column in The Atlantic called Dear Therapist. So I everything that I do is really about story and the human condition. And I feel like it's really um, everything is related. So it doesn't feel like I'm running around doing all these different things. Everything that I do kind of mm. speaks to the other piece of my job. Yeah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you think about people shifting the narrative of their stories, bringing it back to the home and thinking about our very first home, the original home, ourselves, not just the four walls that we live in, what are some of the ways that you feel people could best take care of this home first, especially if they're in that process of wanting to shift the narrative of their story? Now, I know that that is a wide range of stories that are out there. But what are some of the ways that people can first get solid here in this first space, this first home for ourselves? I'm glad you brought that up because really we live in the home of our inner world. That's that's the home that we live in. And it's really interesting because when I'm doing events, often I will, like if I'm on a stage and I see people out in the audience and I will say, 
You know, who is the person that you talk to most in the course of your life? Show of hands. Is it your partner? Lots of hands, right? Is it your parent? Is it your sibling? Is it your best friend? Get lots of hands for that. But the person that we talk to most in the course of our lives is ourselves. That's our inner home. And what we say in that home, the culture of that home, I always say it's not always kind or true or useful. And so I had this therapy client who was so self-critical. And she, you know, if you looked at her outer home, the people in her life, they were incredibly kind people. But her inner home was, you know, like the home you don't want to grow up in. That was, and that that's the home that she was carrying around with her. So I said to her, I want you to write down everything you say to yourself. I want you to really listen to what goes on in that inner home. Yes. And I want you to write it down so you can hear what is actually being said. And then come back next week and we'll talk about it. So she comes back the next week. She had diligently done the assignment and she starts to read this and she starts crying and she says, I can't even read this. I am such a bully to myself and I had no idea. And there were things like she was typing an email and she, you know, she made a mistake. And so she, the voice in her head went, you're so stupid. Mm. And she said, I would never not only not say that to a friend, but I wouldn't think that of a friend who was typing an email and made a mistake. She caught a reflection of herself, you know, walking by a storefront and the thought in her head was, um, you know, you look terrible today. Right. And of course, she did not look terrible. So I think it's really important that we think about being kind to ourselves. We can be really kind to other people and really unkind, really just cruel to ourselves. So I think that first and foremost, the home that we create for ourselves is so important. You know, always ask yourself, am I being kind to myself? Is it kind? Is it true? Is it useful? And if not, create a different environment in that home. That's so good. And part of creating the different environment is doing the work, right? Digging in and... Well, looking at those stories, right, that we are carrying around that we're not even aware that we're carrying around. So sometimes, you know, the story might be, I'm not good enough, or I'm unlovable, or nothing will ever work out for me, or, um, you know, whatever it is. You know, I talk about the difference between idiot compassion and wise compassion, And idiot compassion is what happens when we go to our friends and we say, listen to what my partner did or listen to what, you know, my sister did or whatever it is. And your friend says, yeah, you're right. They were wrong. That's terrible. And we just blindly support our friends. That's idiot compassion. Wise compassion is what a therapist will do. And a therapist will hold up a mirror to you and help you to see something about yourself that maybe you haven't been willing or able to see. And I'm not saying that there aren't difficult people out there, right? That maybe your sister or your partner or whatever, something was difficult. You know, there's this saying that we have as therapists, before diagnosing someone with depression, make sure they aren't surrounded by assholes, Mm. right? So, you know, there are difficult people out there, but what is your role in this? And where is your agency and what can you be doing differently? So how do we create an environment for ourselves both internally and in our relationships. You know, we all know the saying, wherever you go, there you are. So you can create a beautiful home for yourself, but what what is the relational quality of the home? And that means the relational quality of you to yourself, but also you to the people in your life. It's so good. It's so good. And as you've been a mother and raising your son, and I'm sure that this is something that you are thinking 
a lot about, not just as a therapist, but as a mother, in the stories that you two are building together and how you are raising him. How is that journey for you? One of the things I really wanted to do in my book was to show that I'm human, that you know, I say at the beginning of the book that my my most significant credential is that I'm a card-carrying member of the human race, that I know what it's like to be a person in the world. And so in the book, I follow the lives of four of my patients as I help them through their struggles. But the fifth patient in the book is me as I go through a struggle and I am seeing my therapist. And I think it's really important when people ask about parenting and what that experience has been like to really be honest about how challenging it can be and and how joyful it can be and and the both and of it that you know it's not like because i'm a therapist i know exactly what to do in every moment with my child or i don't mess up or you know i don't go back and say oh i wish i had done it that way mm-hmm. i think the difference is that i'm very aware of the importance of repair yes so you know we we have this idea of rupture and repair that we're all going to have ruptures with our partners with our children with you know our friends the really significant part of that is how do you repair it? And being able to go back to your child, which a lot of parents are reluctant to do, and say, I messed up. I'm really sorry. I Now I see that, or I see it from your perspective now, and I'm sorry I got really anxious about this, or it really upset me that this, but I shouldn't have yelled, or I shouldn't have you know, overreacted, or whatever it is. You know, to make sure that when you are wrong, that you let your kid know, I realized that I was wrong. And and some parents think that that's going to make them, um, make their kids respect them less or maybe feel like they don't have as much, you know, um, knowledge or whatever it is that, oh, my parent is fallible. But I think it does the opposite. I think that they'll respect you more for being able to acknowledge when you're wrong. And be able to grow from that experience and say, now I see something that I didn't. And I think that they respect you more because they realize that, oh, you know, my parent takes responsibility and and I'm going to do that in my relationships too. Yes. Like your kid is more likely to then come back later to you and say in a moment, like, okay, now I see that or I'm sorry that I acted that way toward you. Especially I think, you know, I have a teenager as you do too. Um, he has his moments yeah. <laughs> as they all do. Um, but <laughs> yeah. he's really good about saying like, hey, I'm really sorry. I was kind of snappy back then. That's part of raising good humans. I love hearing that. Lori, as both of our sons are in their teens, you and I are both looking at, it's a couple years, but them going off to college or wherever they choose to go. Is this something that you are starting to think about? I know I am. Or talking to people about what is to come in our homes as our children as our children go off? Yeah, it's that paradox, I think, of really wanting your kid to go and fly and expand and grow and become an independent adult. And the sadness of the fleetingness of life that you know, I think that these these 16 years have gone by in the blink of an eye. There's that saying, you know, when you have kids that the days are long, but the years are short. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be absolutely the case. And the other day, it just brought tears to my eyes that my son said to me out of the blue, he was just, we were, he was looking at, he's about to select his courses for junior year. And he said, I can't believe I have friends who are applying to college and soon I'm going to be applying to college. And he's like, my whole childhood went by so quickly. 
And I thought, oh my God, he sees it too. (laughs) And I tried, and I tried to like control the tears, right? Because I I feel the same way. It went by so quickly. And I think it's such a privilege to to raise, you know, another human being and to be a part of their world and know that they're different from you, that they are their own people. And and to really honor and respect who they are. And for them to kind of, you know, let you into their lives in the ways that they will and to hold their boundaries in the ways that they that they do and to watch them emerge into mm-hmm. into themselves. I think it's it's such an incredible experience, but there's also this real grief and loss when something huge changes where they are you're not going to have the dailiness of life with them anymore. And you practice because as teenagers, they they want more independence. And so you can see them moving away. Um, but it's really different when they're actually physically away from you. You know, maybe when our boys go off to college or wherever they choose to go, you and I will circle back. We'll go. We we met in baby group mm-hmm. and then we'll join together in <laughs> they've flown the coop group. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it's a big thing. I mean, all of these life transitions that as a therapist I hear about, um, you know, that that people sort of underplay, they don't realize how big they are. Transition of you know, starting a new job or moving in with a partner or getting married or having a child or having another child, um, having that child go through the different developmental stages, seeing your parents get ill, seeing your parents die. All of those life transitions really make us step back. And and if we allow them to, they can really help us to, to actually stay present in our lives and really pay attention to the lives that we're living and not sleepwalk through our lives. Mm-hmm. So, so many people know you as a best-selling author, therapist, you have your podcast, you are out there as a very public figure. When you are home, what lights you up when you're home and where do you go or what do you do where you just feel the most Lori, the most Lori Gottlieb at home? I would say either doing something with my son, like hanging out with my son, Usually that's in the living room. <laughs> so um, he gets the part of the couch with the chaise, like that just known that that's his. So <laughs> it used to bug me. Um, it does uh-huh. not anymore. I think it's now adorable and funny. <laughs> and he gets he gets the throw, the blanket, right? That's like his little, the way he kind of like cocoons there. I find that very endearing now. And I would say just by myself, it's in the in the den where I have the bookshelves and I have the Eames chair and I have my ottoman there and I can sit there and relax with all of my books and read because obviously as as a writer, um, you know, being surrounded by by books and having this wonderful lounge chair to sit and read in is is my little corner of the world. Mm, heavenly. And being that this podcast is called Being Home with Hunker. What does being home mean to you? Hmm. I think it's it's less about, you know, the four walls and it's more about a feeling of peace, like inner peace inside of myself. Um, interconnectedness, meaning I feel connected to myself and I feel connected in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's all of that. But I will say, I will admit that there's nothing like walking in the door when you've been away, you know, you've been out all day or whatever it is, and you walk in the front door, there's a passage in, in Maybe You Should Talk to Someone where one of my patients was talking about 
the family next door to her. And she would always hear that when the mother came home from work, she would open the door and say, hello, family. Aww. And her little kids were so excited to see her and her husband who worked from home would come. And, and, and she was very envious of that. She later found something like that in her own life. But it was something that I loved that phrase, hello, family. And every time I walk in the door, I think about that sense of home, like hello, family, and coming into your own space that you created because the things in the house resonate with you. The art on the wall, the lamp that you chose, um, the rugs that you chose, um, the little pieces of decor that are meaningful to you, all of that. And then the people in the house. Right. And so I think like coming home in that full way, there's nothing like that. You've been on a trip and you come home and you walk in the door and the, all of your senses light up, like smell and what you see and what you touch when you're sitting on something, the way the fabric feels, it's yours. Mm. There's nothing in the world mm. like that, having your space. I love it. And I got chills when you mentioned the Hello Family line. I got chills. And I love that. And I loved your book. Still do love your book. It is. Thank you. It's beautiful writing. It's funny. You will cry if you read it, but in the best of heart-opening, life-affirming ways. It's really beautiful. And Lori Gottlieb, I'm so happy we got to talk. I am too. This was great. Thank you so much for the conversation. Thank you so much. To learn more about Lori, visit her website, lauriegottlieb.com, or see her daily posts on Instagram at lauriegottlieb underscore author. I highly recommend reading her book, too. Maybe you should talk to someone. It's so good. And check out her TED Talk or listen to her podcast, Dear Therapists. One more thing, if you have a teen at home, have them check out Zach Gottlieb's platform, Lori's Son, where he and others are holding conversations on mental health for teens. Go to at TalkWithZach on Instagram or TalkWithZachOfficial.com. Be sure to visit our show notes for direct links to where you can discover everything that's going on with Lori Gottlieb. Thank you for listening to Being Home with Hunker. For more information about this episode or others, visit hunker.com forward slash podcast. And if you don't already, please follow our show. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. It really does help. Being Home with Hunker is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman. Eve Epstein is our executive producer. The podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio. Theme music by Jonathan Grossman. Special thanks to our team at Hunker, Senior Designer Maury Men, and Director of Audience Development Gina Goff. Hunker's mission is to inspire and empower you to create a space that expresses who you are, shows off your unique style, and makes your life happier and more productive. 